This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K-LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K-LASIK.com from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, two mass shootings in less than two weeks. Gun violence has become a public health issue. We'll talk about with a doctor who has the National Medical Association's Gun Control Task Force. A new, more contagious, and potentially more deadly variant, the coronavirus is spreading across the United States. Should we be concerned? We'll talk about it with an immunology expert. Also, we'll talk with the head of the Student National Medical Association about their efforts to diversify the medical industry. Everson, Illinois, now becomes the first city to approve reparations for its black residents. And Boston has its first black mayor. Plus, a hilarious look, the battle of the vaccines. It is, and also, Tamika Mallory issues a challenge to anyone saying she took advantage of families. I'll explain that. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the 
The mass shooting at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado yesterday took place less than a week after eight people were killed in a series of attacks at spas in Atlanta. They are also among at least seven mass shootings in the past week across the U.S., including three incidents on Saturday alone. The National Medical Association is calling gun violence a public health emergency and is calling for action by lawmakers. Joining me now is Dr. Roger Mitchell, a forensic pathologist and Washington, D.C.'s chief medical examiner. He also chairs the National Medical Association's Gun Violence Task Force. Force. All right, Doc, uh, glad to have you here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. Mitchell, Please 10 people. Okay. Yeah, I hear you just fine. 10 people dead Good. yesterday in Boulder, Colorado. And of course, uh, we see what took place eight dead last week uh, in Atlanta. And there was a hearing today on Capitol Hill and just more excuses from Republican senators on how to deal with this issue. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it should not have excuses. Um, we're not making excuses to try to save lives from COVID-19. Um, and uh, recently we've stopped making excuses about saving lives from the opioid crisis. But when it comes to gun violence, firearm violence, we find a way to make excuses to save lives in this country. Um, and, it, and, and it's quite frankly, it's appalling. Um, and, and again, it's, it's a whole lot of uh, same old, same old. And listening to folks, you just sit here all, um, you know, I heard the back and forth from, from various different people. Uh, and then, of course, you have, the, you, know, the, you know, the typical, you know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Uh, this right here is, um, um, in the moment, I'm going to show President Joe Biden speaking, also Senator Cory Booker speaking passionately about this issue. Uh, but, 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 but again, what, what, was, what was problematic is listening to Republicans act as if this is no big deal. Let's, let's, let's just focus on getting the hands out of the criminals. Uh, that's the only people that have a problem. This guy in Boulder, Colorado, bought the AR-15 just last week. Last week. Yeah, you know, when we're talking about what really needs to happen, we know that 40% of all of our guns in the U.S. are sold by private sellers and it requires no background check. 30% um, of illegal guns, 30% of illegal guns are connected to gun shows or other legal means of purchase. There's a real need for us to uh, change the narrative surrounding uh, gun control and uh, the gun violence uh, question. Uh, the reality of it is, is that 32,000 firearm-related deaths in the U.S. Uh, uh, annually. And it comes up when these active shooters uh, happen. It comes up when Colorado happens and Atlanta happens. But, you know, just this weekend, we had 20 people shot and four people dead in Chicago. Um, 13 people shot and I think three people dead in Chicago just on Monday. I mean, we're talking about issue after issue surrounding gun violence, but nobody wants to call it a public health crisis and put the necessary resources and mandates in place. Uh, Doc, what do you make when you have people like Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas uh, say this? It's been extended systematic attacks on our police and law enforcement professionals for years, calling them racist and bigoted and prejudiced, demanding that they be defunded and replaced with social workers. When you condemn the police, when you make it harder to do their job, 
you shouldn't be surprised that criminals take advantage of the opportunities that follow and that crime rises and that in particular violent crime rises. Likewise, some on the left like to complain about mass incarceration. Doc, real interesting. A cop was killed yesterday. So this whole idea, you know, that, oh, that, that calls for dealing with racism in police departments, oh, that's to blame for this white guy yesterday killing 10 people in Boulder, Colorado. He's conflating the issue. I mean, he's conflating the issue because there's this notion that you have to be anti-police to be pro-life and pro-gun control, and 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 that's that, that's not true. I mean, we know, uh, we 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 know that the issue that happened in Boulder, Colorado, has nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with the institutional and structural racism that is felt by our community that calls for us uh, to call for better policing in our community. Uh, we need better policing in our community, and. We need um, proper gun control measures to, to stop the active shooter or, or to, to bring the active shooter in a place where we can control their, their access to guns. It's a both-and construct. Here's the, uh, the sheer arrogance of another Republican, Senator Ted Cruz uh, of Texas. And every time there's a shooting, we play this ridiculous theater where this committee gets together and proposes a bunch of laws that would do nothing to stop these murders. Senator from Connecticut just said the folks on the other side of the aisle have no solutions. Well, the senator from Connecticut knows that is false. And he knows that's false because Senator Grassley and I together introduced legislation, Grassley-Cruz, targeted at violent criminals, targeted at felons, targeted at fugitives, targeted at those with serious mental disease to stop them from getting firearms, to put them in prison when they try to illegally buy guns. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens, because that's their political objective. But what they propose, not only does it not reduce crime, it makes it worse. And every time really? there's a shooting, See, we and, play and so, this ridiculous... Okay, Ted, what should we do? What should <laughs> we know, do? It, it, <laughs> I, you know, I, I laugh every time I hear this this notion of we're trying to take away. There's people trying to take away guns. Um, you know, nobody's talking about anyone trying to take away cars when you need proper licensing to drive a vehicle, when you need to pass tests to drive a vehicle, when you have to have um, um, put yourself in position uh, to renew your license. Um, and that those vehicles kill people. And that's the reason why we put those things in place. It's the same thing with seatbelts and helmets. We're not talking about taking away guns. We're talking about creating an environment where the most vulnerable of our population does not have access to guns and the most vulnerable population are safe from guns. Um, the, 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 the perpetuation of being tough on crime is just dog whistle for institutional and structural racism. And so, you know, the National Medical Association, we're clear on that we need a COVID-like response to gun violence in this country. 
with adequate research and adequate resources and adequate programs in education, economics, and housing for communities of color. Yes, the active shooter is much different than the smoldering violence that we see in black communities. There is no doubt about that. Um, and we know how to treat them both. President Joe Biden also spoke out today. Here's what he had to say. Committee after every mass shooting is Democrats Less than a week after the horrific murders of from law-abiding citizens and the assault on the AAPI community in Georgia. While the flag was still flying half-staff for the tragedy, another American city has been scarred by gun violence and resulting trauma. And the state that I even hate to say it because we're saying it so often, my heart goes out. Our hearts go out for the survivors the, who had to, uh, had to flee for their lives and who hid, terrified, unsure if they would ever see their families again, their friends again. At this moment, a great deal remains unknown. But three things are certain. First, 10 lives have been lost and more families have been shattered by gun violence in the state of Colorado. And Jill and I are devastated and uh, the feeling, I just can't imagine how the families are feeling, the victims whose futures were stolen from them, from their families, from their loved ones. I commend the exceptional bravery of Officer Eric Talley. And I send my deepest condolences to his family, his close, close family and seven children. You know, when he pinned on that badge yesterday morning, he didn't know what the day would bring. But when the moment the act came, Officer Tully did not hesitate in his duty, making the ultimate sacrifice in his effort to save lives. <clears throat> That's a definition of an American hero. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. The United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House-passed bills that close loopholes in the background check system. These are bills that Don't understand why that's somehow controversial. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's very simple. We know that here in DC, the majority of the guns come from Virginia. And they also come from Florida, and, and, and there's some areas that come from Alabama. And we know that they're legally bought, and then they're brought into this city. And most of the urban centers, that's how there's gun trafficking into our urban centers that are taking advantage of the gun show loopholes to be able to purchase multiple weapons and then be able to sell them on an underground market. That flow of guns into our community must stop. I'm, I'm a minister, uh, 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 Roland. I, I'm, I do funerals and as a forensic pathologist and just as a correction, I'm the former chief medical examiner of DC and now the chair of pathology for Howard University. And, 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 and I've seen my share of families that are devastated. And so there's enough talk about um, we give our condolences because we do. 
we need to have real concrete action um, if we're going to stop this 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 health crisis and treat it as such. Doc Mitchell, we sure appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us. God bless. Let's go to our panel now. Certainly want to get their thoughts and perspective uh, on this, folks. Benjamin Dixon, host Benjamin Dixon Show podcast. Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications. Michael Brown, former vice chair, DNC Finance Committee. What we have here, we have uh, profiles in weakness, Benjamin. Uh, to listen to the whiners and the complainers, to listen to them uh, say uh, all kinds of crazy, outlandish things, uh, trying to equate um, you know, just just old car accidents and all kind of stuff like that. I, I just I just sat there and I mean, for instance, li- listen to this fool right here, Senator John Kennedy uh, of uh, Louisiana. Be brief, I, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I've listened to my my uh, colleagues' comments with interest, and I I, I join um, with Senator Feinstein in in. Uh, Feinstein and hoping that we can do something about this. But I do think we ought to keep this in perspective. Um, what, what has happened in the last few days, what's happened in the last years, is of course tragic. And I'm not, I'm not trying to perfectly equate these two, but we have a lot of drunk drivers in America that kill a lot of people. We ought, to, we ought to try to combat that too. But I think what many folks on my side of the aisle are saying is that the answer is not to get rid of all sober drivers. The answer is to concentrate on the problem. Um, we have had a problem in this world for some time with both domestic and international terrorism. Many terrorists happen to be Muslims. When a, uh, when a Muslim jihadist blows up a school full of school children, we are often told not to condemn all of the actions of those of the Muslim faith because of the actions of a few. And I agree with that. So why doesn't the same rule apply to the 100 million plus gun owners in America who are exercising their constitutional right? And I think we ought to keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, as we talk about this issue. Benjamin. Yeah, uh, you know, John Kennedy, um, obviously of no connection to JFK, um, he is representative of what conservatives do on a regular basis. While he's setting it up for us to think about um, using one person as an example of how we should not vilify an entire group, that's literally what conservatives do. Let Let this have been a black person. It would have been a referendum on blackness in its totality. Let this have been, uh, and and actually we are seeing in real time how because this man had an Islamic sounding name, it is slowly but surely turning to a referendum against Muslim people. This is what conservatives do. 
They are more upset about the possibility of gun control than they are upset about the 10 people who are dead right now in Boulder, Colorado. And I knew that this country was absolutely without hope when I saw them do the same exact thing over the lives of the children at Sandy Hook. They are more committed to protecting the Second Amendment right or the right to, to bear an AR-15, not the Second Amendment. They're more committed to protecting the right of people to carry guns like AR-15s than they are protecting the lives of children in this country. And for that reason alone, conservatives have blood on their hands. Teresa. Unfortunately, this is um, the continuous conversation that we are still dealing with, um, finding solutions, but also pinning the problem on exactly what we know the, what the problem is. It's passing the necessary laws in order to protect people. Two weeks ago, we're, you know, or a week ago, really, we we had the Atlanta shootings of eight people. This the top, the numbers are just going up. This week, it's you know, uh, ten people. I mean, who's to know what's going on next week? Um, and in the next week after that, but ultimately, we do have two bills in the in the House that needs to go to the Senate. And it needs to be passed. Um, if we start to do the legislative process outside of the thoughts and prayers, I think we could probably get past of um, knowing what the solutions is versus protecting um, the gun rights. Michael, um, we lost dozens of kids in Sandy Hook and they did nothing. To me, this is where if you're Democrats, <coughs> you use your power. You break the filibuster. This is hugely popular. This is not like 5149 in terms of gun control in this country. It is a very large majority of American people who say sensible gun control makes sense. But Republicans are hell, frankly, they're being squeezed by their balls by the NRA. And that's what you're dealing with here. Absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the whole question about problem and solutions. We've had, uh, I don't know, numerous conversations about this every time there's a, there's a mass shooting. Yeah, there are these side issues relative to what, what the uh, ethnicity of the shooter was, what the targets were, uh, what the motives were, all important. But we keep, they're the same conversations. There's really nothing different. And nothing is going to change until what you just used this word, filibuster. And I think that unless you're, uh, I think that the filibuster should be broken for, frankly, three very important matters that help move this country in the right direction. Clearly, gun reform. Not taking anyone's Second Amendment rights away. That's another red herring that they use to scare people away. That is not the case. I have not heard one single Democrat, I don't care how far left, talk about abolishing the Second Amendment. Never heard it. No one's ever said that. Second. Obviously, if you're, I mean, you know me, Roland, I'm a D.C. resident. I think D.C. should be a state. I think the filibuster should be broken for that, as well as voting rights, a federal uniform voting rights bill. Those are the three issues Democrats should stand up and say, we need to break the filibuster for that. Now, for infrastructure, housing, uh, the environment, other issues, you know, you do what you have to do and you try to get as many votes as you can. Maybe you can get to 60. Maybe you can't. But on those three core issues, guns, D.C. statehood, and voting rights, should be uh, the filibuster should be broken for those things. Because until that, Republicans are going to clearly fight each of those issues 
not because it's right or wrong, but just for political reasons. They don't want two additional, what they would think, two additional Democratic senators in the chamber. They don't want the, they don't want to piss the NRA off, and then they get primaried. And voting rights, they clearly want to suppress as many votes as possible. So, uh, Roland, we got a lot of work to do, and you're right. It's going to take a lot of courage from, from Leader Schumer, uh, Schumer, and we'll see what happens. Well, we certainly will see what happens, uh, but it's just so sad that uh, when we look at um, uh, what is happening in this country and how uh, political leaders do not have uh, the guts to do what's right, uh, and it's so, it is so uh, horrible. All right, folks, on to our next story. The B117 coronavirus variant first spotted in the UK is spreading across the United States. It's not only more easily transmitted, but it also appears to be more deadly. Well, like, really? Is that what we're dealing with now? Uh, this is uh, th this is a significant story here uh, when we talk about uh, how COVID is changing. And we had specialists last year, uh, Teresa, who told us point blank this was going to happen, how it was going to mutate, how it was going to change, and how we have to be ahead of the game. Uh, thankfully, we've got a uh, president with some common sense uh, in the uh, in the White House, uh, but again, we, we, we better understand uh, that our our practices must continue. We must continue to wash hands, wear masks, take all the precautions, and stop listening to these fools out here who say masks don't matter. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, we are we are going into spring break, and as we saw what happened in Florida, um, the spring breakers are out there. You know, the curfew was extended, and people are just going mayhem. You know, they're not using their protective PPE. They're not wearing their mask. They're not, you know, essentially, I, I was told uh, hand sanitizers weren't even refillable um, down at some of the restaurants. And people are just acting like they are getting back to normal. And, and just to be honest, some of them that aren't even in the vaccination stage. So it's essentially we are continuously the process of spreading not only the, the current uh, COVID-19 virus, but potentially another virus that is unknown. Even travel has been on an all-time high because the rates have been low. And so people have been traveling. I believe TSA said 1.5 million people, a little bit over 1.5 million people have been going in and out of airports um, and, and literally can be spreading this across states. So what do we do about this problem? I think part of it is we have to knowingly, it, it shouldn't take a, a, a campaign to tell people to keep your mask on. It's almost common sense if you want to stay safe, knowing that we have a, a, a small usage supply chain of uh, getting the first COVID-19 uh, cycle out, but then another unknown variant that could be another potential vaccination rollout and its process. So when we get back to normalcy, I think people just need to, to, to really have a keen sense of wisdom and understanding of what we're dealing with. It's not going to go away overnight, but it is um, impacting our lifestyles and, and hopefully it can be um, contained versus spread um, from days to come. This is, uh, again, uh, as we look at leadership, uh, Michael Brown, uh, this matters because you're not going to have a president denying the reality. And so you're going to see the, 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 the directing the CDC and others to do what's right to ensure that we are protected from this new variant. 
And, you know, like everything, you know, the, the, remember that old Tip O'Neill term, all politics are local. Same with the conversations you have with your friends. Uh, I fortunately enough have my second shot uh, today uh, of the Moderna um, vaccine. And I've had so many conversations with, with friends of mine, colleagues, who not the ones that uh, can't wait to get their shot or have already started the, the process, but with folks that are, that are apprehensive about it. And it is so frustrating to have these kind of conversations. Now, I get the history. Clearly, we know what happened in Tuskegee. We know what happened uh, during Jim Crow. We know, I mean, clearly we know our history and we know what happened. This is a different time and a time where you have to trust what the medical folks are saying. And if the medical folks are saying, get the shot, just get the shot. And, you know, even on the even if you're on the right, who you have been opposed to anything related to COVID, as reluctant as 45 may have been, he did say, hey, get the shot, even though he did it in private and didn't want his supporters to see it. But nonetheless, it's time to trust the science, get the shot, because it's better to have whatever, whatever little side effect there may be for a few hours or a day. It's better than getting COVID. And it's more important to keep your neighbors and your families safe. Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking of this from a perspective of collectivism versus individualism. I think the default position in this country is individualism because that's what's been driven into us by the powerful and the elite. And in the instance of COVID-19, we really needed people to have a collectivist mentality. Like, you know, wearing a mask was not so much to protect ourselves individually, but to protect our neighbor. And that was far too much for so many Americans, especially when you had a president like Donald Trump, who actually politicized something as simple as wearing a mask. And because of that, we had so many cases of COVID-19 spread across this country that mutations started taking place. And also, also actually, the, the variation is coming from Europe. But the, the point is, is that what we saw in Miami this weekend and what we're seeing across this country with people posting videos of them arguing over whether or not they should wear masks is selfishness. And the only way we're going to get out of this pandemic no matter how many vaccines we come up with, we can't stay in front of American selfishness. And so the American people need to understand whether or not there's a political campaign to ensure or to encourage us to do something on behalf of someone else. We need to do something on behalf of someone else and wear our mask, get this vaccine, and if we can, still stay at home and shelter in place as much as we possibly can so that we collectively can get out of this before I turn 50, Roland. Well, this is, again, uh, it, it doesn't help... Uh, again, when you have uh, these crazy folk out here uh, who don't want to uh, take uh, the vaccine, who don't want to wear a mask, uh, who don't want to wash, and, and they, they operate by this whole notion of Donald Trump. Oh, it's just going to go away. <laughs> it's going to go away. In a moment, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Donald Alcindor, Associate Professor of Microbiology and Immunology at Meharry Medical College, uh, about this variant. What does it actually mean? Um, and what should we be looking out for? Uh, is Doc there? I am here, sir. How are you? Doing great. Doc, explain this variant uh, for our audience so we understand exactly uh, what's going on here. So you've got a number of variants, okay? So the three main variants that are circulating in the population in the United States now that have people concerned is something called the B117 UK variant that started out in the United Kingdom. We have about 6,390 6, cases in 50 states. Then there's the South African variant 
referred to as the B1351 variant, we have 194 cases in 27 states. And finally, we have the P1 or the Brazil variant with cases in 18 states, about 54 cases. So you can see the greatest concern for us right now is the B117 variant. And with this variant, you're talking about a virus that can double every 10 days. And so the greatest concern for us is in comparison, the B117 variant first identified in the UK is considered about 50% more transmissible, meaning that it can be transmitted from one person to the other more readily than the original uh, wild type COVID-19 virus. And so what we are happy about is that it seems neither the new variants of concern <clears throat> that they think might escape the effectiveness of the current vaccines should not be a problem. However, those people that are being treated with monoclonal antibodies, they may have slightly less effective response to these variants. And so these variants can be basically dealt with by wearing a mask every day. That's one thing. A mask will protect you against all forms of the virus. It also protects you against the flu virus as well. And so think about this, a mask and being vaccinated are the ways that you protect yourself from these variants. However, if you're fully vaccinated with either the Johnson & Johnson, the Moderna, or the Pfizer vaccine, they have a level of protection that you can feel comfortable with against these variants. But again, you have to be vaccinated. And when we say that, we really mean be fully vaccinated. Now, I should say that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a one-dose uh, vaccine. So one and you're done. But the Johnson Johnson uh, is efficacy is 81% versus Moderna 92 uh, and Pfizer 94, correct? And With, explain what that even yeah, means. So, so, so what, what that means is that if they look at those individuals that got the vaccine versus those that didn't, what they saw is 94% of those individuals that got the vaccine did not have any kind of symptoms associated with the vaccine. Okay, so the idea is that they are protected. So think about 94% as a percent of protection. So in, so in, in terms of 100 people getting infected, six of them will have disease that can be problematic. And of those six that have disease, this will be mild disease. This will not take you to the hospital certainly wouldn't put you on the ventilator, certainly wouldn't put you in the morgue. So what you have to think yeah. about these three vaccines is this. All, all three of them are 100% when it comes to severe COVID-19 disease and keeping you out of the hospital. People simply will not have a choice of which vaccine they will get. You have to get the one that you're eligible for that's available to you. Because with those percentages, think about this. The common flu vaccine of last year is about 46%. So you can see that 70-some percent with some of these vaccines are 94, 95, is much higher than the flu vaccine. But I'm saying, again, that these three vaccines that are currently approved for emergency youth authorization by the FDA will protect you from severe disease and, and making you uh, and you being hospitalized. 
And so that's the kind of vaccines that you want, and that's going to be useful. All of them are useful in that regard. All right, Dr. Alcindor, we surely appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right. Folks, we come back. Tamika Mallory says to all of her critics, y'all want to sit here and question me? You want to challenge me when it comes to supporting families? Come on, let's go. I will explain next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. America is starting to breathe again. A decent man as president, a plan to protect us. It feels almost normal, but it's not. Republicans still will not admit that President Biden was legally elected, which means they don't believe in democracy. They believe an election is only legitimate if they win. That's not democracy. Their plan? Pass voter suppression bills to block minorities from voting. Take back Congress. Impeach President Biden. We refuse. We refuse to accept the end of the American experiment. We refuse to allow anti-democratic autocrats to steal our country. We choose to fight and we will not lose. Join us. I believe that it's movement time again. In America today, the economy is not working for working people. The poor and the needy are being abused. You are the victims of power. And this is the abuse of economic power. I'm 23 years old. I work three jobs. Work seven days a week. No days off. They're paying people pennies on the dollar compared to what they profit. And it is time for this to end. Essential workers have been showing up to work, feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods to us throughout this entire pandemic. And they've been doing it on a measly $7.25 minimum wage. The highest check I ever got was literally $291. I can't take it no more. You know, the fight for 15 is a lot more than about $15 an hour. This is about a fight for your dignity. We have got to recognize that working people deserve livable wages. And it's long past time for this nation to go to 15 so that moms and dads don't have to choose between asthma inhalers and rent. I'm halfway homeless. The main reason that people end up in their cars is because income does not match housing cost. If I could just only work one job, I could have more time with them. It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General, and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers a living wage. And if you really want to tackle racial equity, you have to raise the minimum wage. We're not just fighting for our families, we're fighting for yours too. We need this. I'm going to fight for it until we get it. I'm not going to give up. We just need all workers to stand up as one nation and just fight together. Families are relying on these salaries and they must be paid at a minimum $15 an hour. And $15 a minimum anyone should be making this to be able to stay out of poverty. I can't take it no more. I'm doing this for not only me, but for everybody. We need 15 right now. This is Jonathan Nelson. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
So yesterday here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, I talked about all of this drama uh, surrounding uh, activist Tamika Mallory and the criticism by uh, Samaria Rice uh, and others about her and Sean King and attorney Ben Crump, as well as uh, the folks from um, Black Lives Matter. And, and, and it's been really interesting uh, watching these folks. And, and, and now you got some folks uh, all mad and upset. Oh, my goodness, you sitting here, uh, 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 you defending your friend. No, no, we're talking about what's truth and what's fiction. Um, yesterday, I also showed a tweet that I referenced was Lisa Simpson. It was not her, so that was my mistake. I got no problem admitting when I made a, make a mistake. But when will the haters, when, when will the Tamika Mallory haters also admit they made make a mistake? So, um, I talked to Tamika today. And this is what Tamika told me. Anybody calling her a shyster, anybody saying that she has taken advantage of families, that she has raised money uh, for folks and kept the money, she says she will debate any of y'all on any public platform at any time. She said, point blank, she will not have the conversation in private. So, to, to, to the Wilcox woman out there, to all y'all running y'all mouths, calling her a celebrity activist, she kept it simple. She said, come on. She said she'll come on Roller Martin Unfiltered and debate any of these people or any other public platform. Not a ball's in your court. In fact, uh, she, was out of, she was out of the country. She flew, she flew, she flew back. Uh, and, and, th and this is what uh, th this is what she tweeted because some fool was sitting here uh, 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 trying to talk some trash, um, and this is what and she was responding uh, to go to go to my computer please because uh, this is what I tweeted. I, well, I just told you I just talked to Tamika, and then this fool says SMH she hasn't responded uh, all of this time on any public platform and now all of a sudden you talk to her and she's ready how much did you offer Roland SMH Tamika said you got the receipts whoever it is I'm prepared let me know what's good and when not behind the scenes but in front bring everything that you everything you have what's the date and make sure you bring the receipts of what you've been doing too let's go that was sent at 6.47 p.m. today, March, 30, March 22nd, 23rd, 2021. See, it's real easy to sit here uh, and talk all y'all want to. It's real easy. Tamika posted this. Y'all lie so much behind damn keyboards. I spoke on all of this on a public platform days ago, but y'all liars just like to talk. So since you know so much about me and what I do and how I operate, let me know when you are ready for a public conversation. Hmm. Matter of fact, one of the people who was sitting here, uh, uh, again, she was the one who was sitting out here uh, posting demands and stuff like that, and, and, and I actually um, uh, uh, sent her a tweet. And, and I said, what, what, let, me, let me pull it up. I said, because Tamika says she'll talk to any of y'all. But, but, but I noticed that homegirl has been real quiet.
See, it's, it's real easy to sit here and talk a whole lot of trash. It's real easy to try to sully someone's name and reputation. But when they stand up, when they are ready uh, to challenge you, ooh, folk get quiet. Others try to say that, well, Roland, you giving folks a pass. No, I don't. What I have said and what I will continue to say is that if we if, if we gonna sit here and do this, you might want to have some facts to back you up. Because see, if you're gonna question the integrity of people out there who are on the front lines, yeah, you are going to have to bring more than just uh, your simpleton tweets and Instagram posts and social media posts. And all I'm saying is, she said, let's not have it private. Let's have it public. I'm bringing my panel here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find this person's tweet because I did send her uh, a particular tweet saying, where you at? What you want to do? Benjamin, wh what do you make of these attacks on, and again, these, these attacks have been on, they were levied by Samaria Rice and this other mother, Lisa Simpson, who lost a son in Los Angeles. They attacked Tamika Mallory, Sean King, Ben Crump, Black Lives Matter. And I have been specifically defending Tamika Mallory because she's been in the game 25 years. And so when someone tries to call her a celebrity activist, come on now. What, what are your thoughts, Ben? Roland, I'm conflicted, to be honest with you. Um, I listened to the interview that uh, Tamir Rice's mother did with, um, I think it was Urban XM for Sirius. Yeah, it was uh, and, uh, Clay Kane. Clay, yeah, Clay Kane. And, and it was a compelling interview. Um, you know, the and I don't know a lot about uh, Tamika Mallory's activism, so I can't speak to her specifically. But I will say that those of us who are in the social media spaces and those of us who are who have our platforms amplified and we're we're larger than life, I think sometimes that we may not take in consideration or maybe we should take even in more consideration the impact that's that perceived celebrity can have on what we're trying to accomplish. And, and I know that may be asking a lot of people who are busy doing what they're doing, um, but honestly, I try to take that into consideration every single day. Like, whatever, whatever I do and whatever I say, I want to make sure that my good is not evil spoken of. And sometimes that requires that I go above and beyond to make sure. And I think that that is a necessary burden because the lights, the cameras, the flashing, the glamorous, the ring lights that we have, the, the, you know, the filters that we have in the background, sometimes that could be taken the wrong way. So I think it's incumbent upon us who have these platforms to just be extra mindful of it. And I'm not saying that Tamika is not, but in other spaces, I know that that is something that is lacking. Well, here's the deal, though, Teresa. The more popular you get, the others might deem you a celebrity. But here's the whole deal. If you want to criticize Tamika when she was at the Grammys, you wasn't saying shit when she was arrested in Louisville. Correct. You wasn't saying shit when they were there till 4 o'clock in the morning bailing other people out. 
The folks wasn't saying a damn thing when we were with them in Georgia as they were canvassing door to door on the last weekend encouraging folks to vote. We were there. Our cameras were there. And, and in fact, uh, one of the women here, um, uh, he, he, here it is. There's this, this, uh, I'm going to show you this here. Uh, and uh, th this woman, this R.A. Wilcox, go to my computer, please. She goes, journalism is in crisis. Celebrities, celebrity activists are going so hard to discredit these mothers with no regard for who they are or their stories. Roland Martin doesn't even know Lisa Simpson's story, yet has an opinion. Uh, and she says, uh, thinks that I'm Lisa Simpson. And I said, going hard? I said, if I can admit a mistake. I said, but can you admit that Tamika Mallory had no involvement in the Tamir Rice case? She this other person says, as soon as you admit that you seem very confused about the topic at hand, when did the family ever say that she was involved in the Tamir Rice case? Journalism requires familiarity with at least the basic facts of an issue. Well, someone else responded to that woman, Lola, by saying uh, that Samaria Rice did on Clay Kane's uh, show. I then said, where is the evidence that Tamika used Tamir on a flyer? Put him on a shirt, raise money in his name. If you're going to accuse someone, then provide the receipts. That's all I'm saying. This Wilcox woman. Samaria has been very clear that her critiques of Tamika are not exclusive to Tamir. Her critiques of Tamika are because she sees that she is doing to other families what Sharpton, Crump, and King have done to her. Tamika has done everything you just named to other families. Tamika responds, I'm now asking you to prove it publicly in my face. This ain't hard. Just prove where I did any of this. My issue is with you since you seem to be the one pushing the lies. The families I work with have asked me to go harder and do more. Every single one of them. See, th this is what I... See, this was my whole point yesterday, Teresa. If you're going to call somebody's name, back it up. If you're going to call somebody out, bring the receipts. But if you ain't got receipts, you deserve to be called out. One lie of speculation goes into another point of um, non-justification of the facts. So it's essential that we understand what Tamika's purpose is. She is the millennial voice that has been an advocate in the struggle, started a nonprofit organization that helps people for free, and also was raising money, I believe even on a cash app, to, to try to bring some funding in, not even going to, to grant and other foundations to, in order to get that support that other nonprofit organizations does. She is a relevant voice in the movement. She is the reason why families are out here on the front lines uh, getting the acknowledgement that is necessary. They call Tamika because Tamika gets results. They call Ben Crump because Ben Crump gets results. They called Al Sharpton because he gets results. No one's calling those other names that are on Twitter accounts bashing people who get results. It's very unfortunate that you start to see our people do this to each other because in, in, a, in a certain manner, it's like you, you can only be at a, a certain pinnacle when it comes to uh, getting relief. 
We've been fighting for the same struggle. There, it, Honestly, there shouldn't be a celebrity advocate in criminal justice reform. We should just be getting the reform. But since we've been fighting for the same rights, for the same civil liberties, for the same gun violence, for, for the same privileges that every white, black, and Asian American in this United States should have, then yes, we are going to get scrutiny. We are going to get persecuted. But again, there should not be any advocates, celebrity advocates in the first place if we all had equal rights. <coughs> It's very unfortunate that, you know, our sister in the struggle, who is fearless, who literally could have picked any job, probably could have been CEO of another company, decided that this, you know, and again, I'm I'm somebody who is not on the, on the level of Tamika by any means, but I am an admirer of her work and many other women who are celebrities, who she has pulled in under her ranks and said, listen, fight with me, stand with me. This is the reason why, and she's very articulate in, in her process. So when, when we tear each other down and when we can't provide facts, we also perpetuate this, this false notion that, again, Black people don't stick together, we're crabs in a barrel, and that we never get things done, and division always wins. So why won't we try something different, and maybe we can get out the struggle? The, the, this is what I found to be, to, to be real interesting. And matter of fact, somebody just posted this, and I'm gonna pull it up because all these folk were attacking. All these folk were attacking um, um, Tamika and Until Freedom, Michael, for a series of events that took place in Louisville for Breonna Taylor. People did not like the name Brianna Khan. Uh, Y'all doing this big old barbecue. What, what's going on? It took place on August 23rd. I had one, I, I had one person, you know what? Let, let me just go ahead and, and uh, make him real famous. You could take it down. I, I, I had one guy uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, Michael who was angry and upset. He called the barbecue tacky. He attacked the event. What was interesting, Michael, about him attacking the event is that Brianna Mamas helped plan it. Brianna's no. mama, Brianna's mama was there. And I said, oh, so are you calling Brianna's mama tacky? <laughs> I then said, um, and uh, it's this fool right here. Go, go to my computer right now. <laughs> this fool galvanizing the lazies. Yo ass lazy. <laughs> because he was the one, uh, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, or she, I can't tell she. She lazy. <laughs> I mean, you, she, hold up. Just, I, I, I'm trying to find it. I, I really want y'all to see what she posted. She, she really posted that it was tacky. And I said, you are talking about an event her mama was involved with. Hmm. And I said, so you calling, you call, here it is. It was exploitive and disingenuous 
not to mention very tacky and telling. Mama could have been there all through and through. She was grieving, but these folks that came up with the barbecue were calculating in their goal, which was not to bring justice, but to commercialize real trauma. They were giving away food to the community. They were rallying the community. They were giving away food for free to the community. They had, they had pound discussions around it. The whole point was to keep the pressure on the city of Louisville to fire the cops, to have the charges, and to impact the settlement, which they did. So, how, so, so I'm trying to understand, Michael. Samaria Rice and Lisa Simpson, they get to tell some other mama what they can do? <laughs> Does Samaria Rice, and I'm not attacking them, I'm asking a basic question. Does Samaria Rice and Lisa Simpson get to tell some other mother and father how they should interact with activists to get justice for their children. If Samaria Rice and Lisa Simpson want to speak on behalf of their cases and their children, that's perfectly fine with me. They don't get to tell Breonna Taylor's mama how she should in engage and who, who she should engage with. That, to me, is the problem here, Michael. That you are saying, oh, you've done this with other families. Have you talked to them? Have you reached out to them? I was on Tamika's page where numerous mothers and fathers were like, thank you for calling me. My child was killed eight years ago, and you're still staying in touch. Come on, man. I I I'm not going to sit here and be silent as I watch individuals like Tamika put it on the line, staying with families, and folks tear them down and can't bring no receipts. I think the other problem, Roland, is the problem with this pandemic is people just are sitting around on their computers all day long trying to figure out what to do and say after their Zoom call at work that lasts a few minutes. And, it, you know, obviously jealousy plays a role, as, as uh, my, my, I co-signed with what my uh, co-panelists have just said. What, what is interesting to me, who, who created this sorry-ass title of celebrity activist? It's, it's stupid, because so what if somebody's been toiling in the weeds all day long and get invited to an award show, what, they shouldn't be able to go? If you have the ability, was, was, was King a celebrity activist? Was Malcolm X? Was Harriet Tubman? I mean, it's so, it's so stupid, because just because we have to distinguish someone, to, an activist who's toiling in the, in the, in the field, gets press coverage... To you, that means celebrity. To other people, that means I'm just toiling in, and the press is coming and asking me questions. And for people to conflate them, and then you have the haters, of course, as you've mentioned, and jealousy, it's, it's unfortunate. When people are, uh, you know, people grieve the way they want to grieve. And you can't tell them what's right and wrong when you're sitting up on your couch with your computer in your hand. So I think more support would be better uh, rather than knocking people down. Here's the thing for me, Benjamin. I, 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 I'm sitting here on Tamika's Instagram page. Th this is what I see right here. I see right here, Sabrina Fulton. Tamika Mallory, I'm still with you because you are still with me. 
So does that mama count? Um, a person over here, uh, Trakesia Clemens. Since day one of my assault, she has been by my side. So does her voice matter as well? Um, I can go down here and, and there's some other mothers and fathers uh, who, who were on the page uh, talking about how they've stood with them, how Until Freedom uh, has been with them. I can go down here. See, see, that is the problem I have here, Benjamin. That when you have th this person, uh, uh, this, uh, this uh, Wilcox, um, who, who's on posting stuff, and the demands are they must step down. They must hold no news conferences, make any public statements. They must do nothing, as if you got the right to tell somebody else how to use the First Amendment. Yeah, um, I think we I think we have a lot of a lot of things that are being like slammed into one here, um, and I think. Again, I can't speak to Tamika Mallory's work because I don't know enough about her individual work outside of what I see on social media. But I do know that there is a justice industrial complex where people capitalize and monetize on the deaths, whether, whether they want to or not, whether they think they're doing it or not, they literally are able to make entire careers off the blood of people's children. Um, and, of course, in that category of people who have lost their children, the most grievous of categories that we all hope no one else could ever be in, they're going to have difference of opinions. And some are going to stand with Tamika Mallory. And, again, I don't know enough about her work, so I wouldn't dare put my name, my word against her. But in this space, there are people who take advantage of, of these situations. Right, right. Both for building their platforms, both for their voices to be amplified, and both were opportunities to make some money. And all and, I'm saying, I... Ben, all I'm saying is, if you're going to make that allegation, back it up. Yeah. But well, don't I make think, the I allegation and you can't back it up. I think some people could. Um, maybe not with Tamika. But I think some, in some cases it could be made. But I would say... But here's the deal, though. I ain't talking about somebody else. See, I'm real clear who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. See, what I'm arguing here, if you gonna lump Tamika in with Black Lives Matter, in with Sean King, in with Ben Crump, and attack all these people, you better have the receipts for all of them. Look, Ashley Yates, who's an activist, Ashley put out a tweet, that, and, and, and I responded to her. Uh, and I'll pull it up. And, and look, I've had Ashley on before. Uh, we've communicated. We've talked. I ain't got no problem uh, with her. I've seen her critiques uh, before. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I ain't got no problem with it. Uh, and, the, uh, uh, and so uh, I had posted my tweet about going hard, no, demanding truth and not opinion. Go to my computer. Too many people on social media are responding to non-facts. Go to my computer. Come on. If I made a mistake, I can admit that. Ashley says, Roland, don't do this because you know that's not true. You've given these shysters a pass for years, refusing to ask the hard questions or present the hard evidence while still inviting them on your show to further their lies and propaganda. Maintaining access is costly. I responded, are you saying Tamika is a shyster? Why? Spell it out. Who else? Name names. Don't hide behind shysters. Be specific if you got a gripe. 
bring receipts. I've asked more hard questions than anyone else. I don't need to maintain access. I said, hell, I've had you on too. See, that's all I'm saying. Don't, don't, don't throw it out. If you can't back it up, don't group everybody. If you can't back it up, your critique of everybody. That's all I'm, that's all I'm sitting here saying. Truth is truth, uh, Teresa. Truth is truth. And either we gonna have a truthful conversation or we gonna have an emotional, fictional conversation. But the danger in attacking people with lies that you can't prove is you are impugning their integrity. You are dishonoring their name. And by you trying to cast doubt into who they are, I will never forget Teresa in 1988, Max Robinson, the first black nightly newscast anchor, was speaking at Howard University. His body was riddled with AIDS. He was frail and thin. And he said at Howard University, never ever lose your integrity or your credibility because in the end, that's all you've got. Yeah, and it's, it's especially true for black people. I mean, how many times have we seen elected officials, I mean, i.e. Governor uh, of New York and Governor Cuomo, he has uh, over 10 allegations against him, even a current one sitting in his office. And yet, you know, he, he's still in office. Um, and so it's like, you know, when African-Americans particularly are in these positions fighting for, like, rights, not running for public office, but literally fighting for justice and fighting for strength of others, it's just interesting, you know, where the attacks are coming from. It's coming from our own. And it's, it's so unfortunate and, and it's just so disheartening, really, that we even if you're not in the inner circle, you can't support on the outer circle. And then when other people are asking you to literally pull receipts, show us the facts, give us the recordings, give us something that show us that what you're saying to tear down another African-American woman or male, someone who is on the front line fighting for families, that you know this is wrong or that some truth is in, is in somewhere. Or maybe have a larger conversation because, you know, like, uh, Brother Benjamin said, yes, there are people out there who who do this, uh, but they don't last. So those who, you know, have been out there, you know, and 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 getting uh, some of those uh, offerings, right? I mean, let's just call it what it is. You, you know, we have some past elected officials or those who were never elected, and I don't want to mention their names, but, you know, every time they have a speaking engagement, it's a half a million dollars a year. Why? What have you done? And so part of the problem is those who are not getting those type of uh, funding opportunities um, when they haven't done the work as much, it, it's just disheartening to, to tear down someone who has really been putting up the fight and just tearing down each other when we're really trying to all come out of this together. Again here, here's my whole deal. If you got a problem with Sean King, say it. Produce your information. If you got a problem with Black Lives Matter, say it. Produce your information. If you got a problem with Ben Crump, say it. Produce your information. You got a problem with Tamika Mallory, 
say it, produce information. But if you can't produce the information, we got a right to fire back at you and say, why did you create all this dissension based upon lies? Because see, here's the thing that I said yesterday, Mike, and we got to be real damn careful. You got these dumbasses like this fool, Deja Gajur, uh, Roland Martin profits the most from black pain. Without black pain, there would be no Roland Martin. He even creates it to keep shows on a lot of his lies and propaganda. Deja, bring your ass. <laughs> bring your ass, Deja. Deja, I'll call you out. D-E-J-A-G-I-G-U-E-R-E. -E. Bring your ass. First of all, on this show, we highlight black success, black-owned businesses, black experts, black coronavirus experts, black doctors, black lawyers, black engineers, HBCUs. We talk about black advancement, black economic advancement. But see, silly-ass folks like you, Deja, hop your little lying ass on YouTube, and smack your damn gums, and you ain't done a damn thing. See, all y'all folk who want to say, well, Tamika ain't done this, ain't done that, what are you done? What are you done? I, in, in fact, uh, I, I, had so, I had some fool while we were sitting here. First of all, you know what? All right, let me just go ahead and show. Go to my computer. See, since folk want to be famous today, <laughs> See, since you want to run your damn miles, since you want to be uh, Twitter famous, uh, this fool right here, uh, T. Lars Supreme, yeah, professional troll. That's exactly what you are. You got 32 weak-ass followers. <laughs> First, he tried to criticize me having ascot, then I told a fool I had my own line of ascots, which means I own my company. Oh, well, then his attitude changed. Uh, uh, I, I, I love this here. I hope instead of having, uh, see, I, let me just show y'all, let me show y'all what happens when you embarrass trolls who have 32 followers, T. Lars Supreme, and then they want to get super black conscious when you embarrass they punk asses <laughs> right here. Uh, he's just mad you asked him to do his job instead of uh, ascot shopping. I've got my own line. No need to shop. Next. Uh, LOL, proud of having a line of ascots. The comedy writes itself. Nah, idiot. I own my own company. Oh, I hope instead of having petty, insecure Twitter squabbles because hit dogs will holler, you take some of those profits from your own company to actually support on-the-ground organizers working on protecting black lives from police violence. See, that's what happens when you get embarrassed and now you want to get conscious. <laughs> uh, T. Lars Supreme, holler at me when you get to 35 followers. Mike, go ahead. I, I really don't know what to add to that, Roland. I mean, you, you've laid it out. You give people an opportunity uh, to come back, and then when you, you know, hit them back harder with facts, you know, they, they crumble. Like any troll, like any schoolyard bully, it's the same uh, process with anybody. You stand up to them, and then they quiver. And we'll see what kind of tweets you get later today or tonight or tomorrow about this conversation. But 
Uh, you laid it all out. I really have not much to add. You you, you put it where it needed to be put. Uh, before I go to my next uh, topic, I, I do also want to address this because, see, I, I get a kick out of people uh, who, uh, who love to present a different picture, and, frankly, uh, they lie. Check this out. Uh, remember, remember the dude we had on the show who was booked to talk about voter suppression? Uh, he, this guy, a new emerging king, the dude from Albany. He goes, my favorite portion of this interview with Roland Martin, this part was so beautiful, do for self, blah, 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 blah. So then, of course, you know that, uh, that uh, troll, Boyce Watkins, um, decides to talk to him, and Boyce trifling ass, because Boyce is also a liar. Yeah, Ben is getting real uncomfortable on this show. It's calling oh, I ain't no, I'm good. So, uh, uh, so, um... So, Rand, so Lil' King Randall got all these little trolls. Oh, Roland Martin don't like doing for self. <laughs> uh, I created this, so that's kind of stupid. That's it. And so, <laughs> they were all running their mouths. Oh, you should be celebrating this king for starting his own school. Uh, or, or why are you hating on them? And I had to explain to people that, well, maybe part of the problem, because y'all like, oh, you trying to tear him down? I say, well, maybe part of the problem is y'all don't want to accept the reality that he agreed to come on the show to talk about voter suppression. Uh, but then he wanted to do a bait and switch when he was on the show. Yes, Just in case folk think I'm lying. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> See? Receipt, that's right. I'm going to have receipts for your ass. <laughs> this is what I tweeted. Guess who is, is quiet as hell about this racist and massive voter suppression bill from Georgia Republicans? Black Republicans like Alveda King, Bruce Lavelle, Angie Stanton, Janelle Kay, Jalen Johnson, New Emerging King, also quiet, Paris Denard, C.J. Pearson, Kim Baltimore. King Randall tweets... Drop the lower third. LOL, I'm glad you thought of me, though. Jalen Johnson, you want to go on the show? Hmm. Interesting. That's what he tweeted. So guess what happened next, y'all? Uh, what happened next was... I said this. Son, you're a black conservative from Georgia. Easy question, new emerging king. Jalen Johnson, do y'all endorse and support the Georgia Republicans voter suppression bill do y'all stand with black people? Come back to me, please. <laughs> I then sent this. Uh, Y'all gonna love this one here. Hey, J Jalen Johnson, you really don't think Georgia Republicans isn't targeting black people? Y'all see where it says this tweet was deleted by the tweet author? That's where <laughs> Jalen tweeted, oh, he not gonna have us on the show. Y'all see he deleted it. King Randall responded, he ain't gonna do it. All he gonna do is get 10 people on a panel versus us two and overtalk us the whole time like a female. LOL. That's what King Randall, Mr. Mr. Manly Mans, tweeted. Come back to me, please. Last one. <laughs> Here's the tweet where I said it. Both of you bring your asses. King Randall, LOL, send an invite and tell me when. Guess what? When Randall came on the show, he, oh, oh, I, 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 no, I, I'm not bothered with voting. I'm all about doing for self. It's called bait and switch. 
See, so if y'all want to sit out here and say, man, why, why, why are you condemning this young brother, you know, who <coughs> bought his own school and bought his own bus? The topic was never his school. The topic was never the bus. I just showed you the receipts on how his ass would, he was invited to discuss voter suppression, but he did not want to do it. And now you want to post edited clips Oh, how you schooled me and I was attacking this young brother. And then you got troll-ass Boyce Watkins, who is nothing but a <laughs> clout click chaser. Because he can't build his own audience. He got to use me to build his audience. <laughs> a clout click chaser? <laughs> See, I told y'all I'm going to... I have receipts. So... I wasn't condemning the brother, but since he decided to switch the topics by trying to say, oh, I don't really care about voting on myself, when he was invited because he was defending voter suppression on Twitter. And also, that little punk-ass Jalen J. Johnson, <laughs> the one who uh, really was trying to comment, let me make your ass famous too right now. Because I need to put you up, this little punk, Jalen Johnson, right here from Washington, D.C. Go ahead and show it. Team Byron Donald's opinions here, mine and mine alone. Donald Trump, Rodney Davis, Mark Walker alum, Georgia boy, coerced to D.C. This little sorry-ass dude been running, y'all. He was the one who said, I would never book him and little King Randall. I issued the invite. Jay, no, go back. Jalen's weak ass won't come on to talk voter suppression of Republicans in Georgia. If you gonna run your mouth on Twitter, bring your ass. <laughs> Anybody else got anything left to say on this topic? Bring the receipts, you know. Uh, I, let that be a lesson to all you trolls, because I've, I've been seeing some of the commentary myself. Uh, but you better be glad I'm very, very busy <laughs> to respond. <laughs> <laughs> but let that be a lesson to you. There you go. I, go ahead, Ben. Roland, I, yeah, yeah. I would just say, be, you know, for folks, for everyone who's doing good work, God bless you. For everyone who doesn't realize that this system will commodify our revolution and sell it right back to us on the Grammy Awards, in Coca-Cola commercials, and still do nothing about justice, just be mindful that that's happening to And if you're going to sit here and try to tell me that I don't believe in black self-sufficiency, when that's literally what we talk about five days a week, no, what you should be saying is why the little 21-year-old boy who y'all praising is making excuses. And he came on the show for one reason, then played bait and switch. But see, I know you had no little following. <laughs> and I and you got all the little white conservatives tweeting me, oh, that's right, he should run for president. But, at, hey, but guess what, King Randall? Ask them same white conservatives where they asses were when Ahmaud Arbery got shot. That's it. Ask the same huh? ones, <clears throat> ask the same ones why they quiet about voter suppression in Georgia. Yeah, uh-huh. 
It's amazing how quiet those trolls get. This is the warning to any of y'all out here. If you come at me, y'all leave rolling the moan. <laughs> y'all mess with that. Yeah, I agree with that. He's a grown ass <laughs> man. Don't mess with this man. If you <laughs> come at me, you bet I agree not miss. <laughs> Especially with the African yeah. he ain't playing. Because <laughs> Y'all leave this man alone, I'm telling you right now, you come at me and you come at my friends, you bet not miss. Because if you lie, if you lie, I will expose you. My philosophy has been the same my whole career. If you do good, I'll talk about you. If you do bad, I'll talk about you. At the end of the day, I'll talk about you. Keep trying me and see what happens. Hashtag team whip that ass gonna show up every time. <laughs> I'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered in a moment. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know how long she'll be back here after when she returns? Because we are also making some deliveries to leadership and capital. So I can't, I can't speak to that. I think we're about to start the new round of votes. I'm right. actually, okay. we're about to start the new round of votes and stuff. So okay. um, can we just text your scheduler or email your scheduler? Just you can to, text me. Can you give me your number? Yeah. Like, give me my card or whatever. I also have my, my Guam guardsmen that are out here on the deployment. They wanted to come over and say hello to you. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry that you guys missed her. She's literally in an interview. She's coming back to the hill. We'd love to um, allow you guys to see her. Yeah, I think it'll be really great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming by. Where is y'all's office? We are actually in the same building. Sixth oh, floor. Great. Yeah. Sixth floor. Okay. 1632. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I'm sorry, your name again? Taylor. Taylor, you want to come on and say hi? Just sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So guys, um, Congresswoman Green will probably be coming back in 20 minutes. Sure. This is Taylor, her uh, legislative director. So you just want to come on say hi. Hi, hi guys. Hey. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for keeping us safe. Um, the congresswoman should be back hopefully in the next 30 minutes or so, and I know that she would love to meet all of you and say hi and just tell you how much she appreciates the hard work that you guys. Hi, I'm Vivian Green. Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Only 5% of doctors in the United States are black. And the Student National Medical Society is on a mission to change that. The organization supports current and future minority medical students. Check out this video of medical students across the country finding out last year they've been matched to a residency.
Joining us now is Osase Obo, president of the Student National Medical Society. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, great to see you. Uh, that was, uh, of course, it's always great to see those videos, um, uh, and it's important because uh, to show their excitement. Uh, but, but walk folks through how how serious this is, uh, that, that the problem that we have. I mean, we have the problem when it comes to in the field, uh, frankly, black folks not trusting these white doctors and their care. That's why we got to have more African-Americans uh, in medicine. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me. Um, just watching that video actually gets me really emotional. I'm in that video. We, we put that together last week to celebrate a lot of our members who were able to match into their uh, dream residency choices. Um, and I think that this pandemic and also just the the uptick in the racial unrest that we've been seeing has been has made it even more important for us, for the SNMA to exist, for us to continue to work towards, um, you know, supporting and ensuring that folks that look like us are graduating from medical school. Because getting in is a feat on its own and getting out is a whole nother journey. So I think... Um, one, it's really great that you have us on here to come and talk about why it's important to diversify the face of medicine. Um, just we, we, I'm still reeling myself just because I was able to match. But I think um, just one thing that I do want to say is that it's really important for us to also just focus on the pipeline. Because I think back to my story, like sitting here now, matched going into, going into my first job as a physician, Dr. Obo, yes. Um, I think back to the different people the different key points in my journey that where I had folks that were discouraging me, whether that was um, folks that didn't believe like, oh, I've never seen a black doctor. Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you don't want to do nursing or or what about what about physical therapy or something else? And so I'm sure that my story is not is not uh, is not rare. So many of our members are going through this, whether that's at their high school, at their college, being discouraged from this path saying that they're not worthy or they're not going to make it or whatever. And so the Student National Medical Association has been here for over 60 years just supporting us. I am a testament to that fact. I actually have my sweatshirt here. I'm matched to the number one institution for internal medicine. I'm going to Hopkins, and I wouldn't be here without this organization. The uh, Over the weekend, I was uh, in Houston. Cameron Champ was on the PGA Tour Pro, uh, and he had a, uh, he had a, a golf tournament. It's called the Mac Invitational. Um, and at that golf tournament, um, it was his, you know, his dad runs the foundation and, and, and it was put on specifically, um, to, to highlight, um, um, uh, mostly black and Latino golfers, but, but, but also to give, uh, folks an understanding, um, uh, that all they're asking for is an opportunity and right. an opportunity to show what they can do. And, you know, th that's the thing that also, I, th that I think we talk about medicine, when you talk about uh, where we are. Look, folk, just, all they're saying is, I just want a shot. Don't block me. Yeah. Uh, don't um, uh, sit here and, uh, and get in my way, but just give me an opportunity uh, for a shot, uh, for me to be able to compete, for me to be able uh, to go out there, earn a scholarship, uh, be able to show what I can do. Uh, and, and that's really what a uh, black student is saying when it comes to medicine. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that's one of the great things. So when I found out about the Student National Medical Association, it was because they were giving scholarships for pre-meds to be able to take the entrance exam for medical school. The exam is like $365. Classes are over $1,000 a piece. 
and I was struggling to try to save and be able to pay for it myself. And so I think, um, you know, it's important for us to find those organizations, those groups that are supporting and, and encouraging students that look like us, Black, Latino, um, other BIPOC uh, students that are trying to pursue careers in medicine because we need, we need each other. We need us to make it. We need us to fill these hospitals so that our folks are getting taken care of in the best way possible. Uh, and as I was saying, uh, this was, go to my computer, please. This was a shot. Uh, these were some of the, some of the young women who competed uh, on uh, Friday, mm -hmm. Saturday, and Sunday in Houston. And um, there, were, uh, there, were, there were college golf teams there, Prairie View, A&M, Texas Southern University, uh, and other universities because opportunity for them to see upcoming talent to possibly recruit. And that's what we were talking about. And while I was there, it was, it was, it was a white gentleman was friend of uh, Cameron's dad. He played baseball with his dad in minor league baseball, who's actually a doctor in Utah. And he was talking about the difficulty of them recruiting black doctors in Utah. And I said, look, I said, look, I love having you on the show. I said, talk about an opportunity. He, he said, look, we want to offer opportunity. He said, the people looking for one? He said, I'm looking for black residents. And I said, all right, we'll, we'll put it out there. Because that's what folks are looking for, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, please put us in contact with him because we would love to connect him with some of our members that are looking for spots, especially coming into this next year of applications. Oh, uh, no, I, I will do that uh, because uh, I'll have make sure Jackie, uh, who's my book, sends me your information because uh, I sent it to him and I said, uh, and, and it was interesting, uh, we had that conversation and then I saw y'all's video the next day uh, and I told uh, Jackie, I said, hey, uh, book him on the show uh, to be able to get this out. Uh, let's go to my panel for, uh, questions uh, for you. Mike Brown, we'll start with you first. Um, you know, it's interesting. Do you find... Um... When I went to uh, when I went to law school, I was one of uh, two um, people of color in my class. No, three in my class. Do you do you see the same thing in medical schools? I know Roland mentioned only five percent, but is it the same thing? If you, I'm not talking if you go to Meharry or or Howard or, but if you go to right. a white school, is it the same kind of one or two? And is the recruiting from colleges to medical schools, same as law schools or business schools, the same? Or do you, have you ever done a comparison of the three? You know, I haven't done a comparison. I have been uh, getting in contact with like BOLSA, like the Black Law Student Association's uh, national president, as well as um, um, folks that are in other professional organizations to kind of have that conversation. But I will say, as far as medical school is involved, we are not sought out. Hmm. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to answer this question the best way possible. So. When you're applying to medical school, you're begging for someone to get to let you in. It's not about, it's not even necessarily about your qualifications, sometimes about who you know. So when it comes to students like us, unless our numbers are insanely competitive, there are so many people trying to tell you, you're not gonna get in, you're not qualified. So I know at my school at Michigan State University, they made sure uh, to, to do their job to go to health fairs or career fairs where folks like us would be so that they could try to get us and try to retain us and try to get us to apply at least. Um, so my institution has done a good job. And of course, once the thing that we don't always talk about is that once student, once like black students are in, we're holding the door open. So once I got in, I was over here emailing the admissions, admissions uh, directors, every person that I, that I felt like I could advocate for to get in. So they were able to get interviews and then able to get acceptances. And that's what students are doing, especially at uh, uh, PWIs across the country to try to get people in the door. 
But as far as my membership goes, in a lot of our schools, especially in like the Utahs and places like that, it's one one person per class, one person in four years. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. got it. Well, good luck and keep up the good work. All right, Teresa. Thank you. Yeah, well, congratulations. Um, I'm always uh, interested in probably the long-term uh, strategy and plan to make sure that um, this is known across the country. So um, have you guys thought about maybe uh, a virtual conference or you know something where you guys are doing continuous engagement? Because enrollment does happen year-round. So have you guys started thought- thinking about that strategy and how can others support your efforts? Oh, that is a brilliant question. So every year, Easter weekend, we have our annual medical education conference. I attended it for the first time four years ago and was blown away. We are able to get just so many residency programs as well as medical schools to come, bring their admissions folks together and allow our students to come and meet them. Folks walk away with interviews. You know, they get the chance to have that one-on-one interaction that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So yes, we definitely have Um, a powerhouse of a conference that happens every year at Easter. It's actually next week and virtual. So if you're pre-med and you're watching, or if you're in medical school looking to secure the the residency bag, you definitely, definitely need to come and be in attendance. So in terms of folks that want to support us, we are definitely right now doing an HBCU initiative to get as many HBCU pre-med sponsored to attend the conference. Um, We realized that we were having a lot of low numbers um, of those members being able to uh, attend. And so right now it's virtual, so it's super accessible to everyone. We even have pipeline programs for high schoolers right now. So if folks want to uh, support us, you can donate to the organization or support those specific initiatives. Benjamin. <clears throat> uh, you were speaking about, first of all, congratulations. This is, this is fascinating and <laughs> amazing. You. you were speaking about the pipeline. Um, and I'm curious, in that pipeline, have you seen any emphasis being placed on the health disparities, uh, particularly as it pertains to black women? And have you seen any urgency from administration, admissions, or even uh, faculty, the, the instructors, as it pertains to how we combat, in the long run, the health disparities that we see for black women? I will say not specifically. I think Mm. talking about it from the SNMA lens, as far as SNMA is concerned, that's what we're about. So we Mm -hmm. create that programming where we don't get it in our institutions, right? So whether we're doing webinars about it, whether it's a workshop at our regional conferences, we have 10 regions across the country that meet together during the fall every year to kind of talk about topics such as this. And so Mm. I think oftentimes we, you know, we try to advocate for it in our own institutions, but that's not necessarily something that's being specifically talked about. We might talk about health disparities like hypertension. That's something mm-hmm. that we all know it's, it's rampant in black communities. We're for sure going to talk about that. We're going to talk about sickle cell disease. And the, the, we might see a, a vignette that we have a young uh, black African-American patient, 18 years old, coming into the hospital with um, you know, diffuse pain, yada, 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 you're, auto- you're automatically clued in like, okay, it's sickle cell disease, it's, it's a black person. So obviously they're in pain, sickle cell. So they're not, they're, I, don't, I think that right now, a lot of our students across the country are trying to push to make sure that this is included in our curriculum because every doctor that is graduating from medical school needs to know how to treat us. So yeah. I think that's something that we do internally, but something that we're pushing for externally too. All right, then. Well, look, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and uh, I will definitely uh, connect you with uh, with the guy in Utah. And so, look, ain't that many black folks there? But if, if I'm looking for a residency, <laughs> damn it, I'm going to go wherever I can go. 
That's it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can people get more information about the society? Is there a website? Yes, it's the snma.org. That is how you can find us. You can find us on Instagram at snma underscore official. Shoot us a DM. We'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Alsace Oboe, president of the Student National Medical Society. We appreciate it. That's the that's correct pr pronunciation, right? It's Alsace Oboe. Alsace. <laughs> see, they ain't had that. Alsace. Well, see, you know, I told Just them. Just think about it like awesome. No, I got to also say. Well, I, that's what I told them. I'm like, y'all, ask how to pronounce it, then I handle it. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. No problem. Oh, you take care. All right, folks. Everson, Illinois will officially become the first U.S. city to pay reparations to black residents. Today, the city council voted 8 to 1 to approve the $10 million plan, which will initially hand out incremental payments worth up to $25,000 for housing purposes. Black residents who live in Everson during this discriminatory redlining area between 1919-1969 and their descendants will be the only applicants qualified for the funds. The city is using a 3% tax on legal marijuana sales to finance the reparations. Everson Mayor Steve Haggerty called the monumental moment an important but a small first step. A eight to one vote, the Evanston City Council. What the hell? Uh, approved adoption of resolution 37 R 27, authorizing the implementation of the Evanston Local Reparations Restoring Housing Program and Program Budget. Again, this is the first 4% of the 10, of the 10 million. Uh, it is an important but a small first step. Mm. All right, folks. Um, Michael, your thoughts about this? Wow. I mean, it, as he uh, said and you said, it's an important first step. Clearly still a long way to go, but it's impressive. And that's, you know, elections, Roland, you and I talk about it all the time. Elections have consequences. And when you get the kind of people into leadership positions that care about our or your issues, uh, you have a chance um, to get what you want. And this is clearly an example of that. So congratulations to the elected folks in, uh, in Evanston. Congratulations to the people that will benefit from the program. You know, just, wow, great first step, and let's, uh, let's see how other uh, municipalities step up. Uh, Benjamin, um, we discussed this once before, and I talked about before, and some, so, some of the folk out there got real mad when I said, one of the ways you start is you target individuals who are still living, and redlining was one of the areas. That is, those who were affected by federal public policy. There are those who want, want to take reparations all the way back to slavery. I said, if you're going to start, this is one area where you start. That's what Everson is doing. Yeah. No, I think and I think it's a brilliant start because there's a lot more to the oppression that black people have suffered in this country that is recent. Right. And so the ability to tie it back to not only redlining, but Jim Crow uh, and then eventually going all, all the way back to slavery. But every state has culpability in this, too. Now, don't get me wrong. The federal government needs to pay it, us what they owe us. Right. But every city and every state, every municipality in it's particularly in the south, but across the country had some complicity with slavery and with Jim Crow and with redlining. And so they need to pay up. And so this is a great start. Uh, but this is just the beginning. Let's spread it across the country. Teresa. Yeah, I live in a city, a home of the brotherly love and sisterly affection, home of the Constitution. So, listen, uh, I would love to see uh, one of these first actually take uh, precedent here in this city. But um, it's happening, uh, and I think it needs to start somewhere. So uh, kudos to Illinois for making it happen.
All right, folks, let's go to uh, Boston, where Kim Janey became Boston's first female and first person of color to become mayor. She replaces Marty Walsh, who resigned to become President Joe Biden's labor secretary. Janey, the Boston City Council president, stepped into the role of acting mayor and is scheduled to have a ceremonial swearing in tomorrow. Love it. Also today, folks, uh, and there was a, uh, it was a, the Senate confirmed uh, the head of the OMB um, for the United States. Remember, they blocked Neera Tandon uh, from becoming uh, the uh, head of the Office of Management and Budget uh, because Republicans, oh my God, they were, they were so like upset and hurt. Uh, by her tweets. Uh, and so uh, that's what they did. But uh, uh, today they confirmed uh, a new head. Uh, the Black Caucus tweeted this out. The Senate uh, voted 66, 63 to 37 to confirm to Shachalanda confirm Young as, dep as deputy director of the OMB. The Black Caucus, uh, now this of course took place, uh, the Black Caucus has come to rely on her keen intellect, knowledge of the federal budget process, CBC chair representing Beatty. But the thing is, Michael, there's still some folks who want her to become Actually, the top spot. They do, and uh, and certainly, I know the vice president is pushing uh, for her to go into the top spot. Clearly, the Congressional Black Caucus, but also uh, some of the general leadership folks don't understand why uh, this like intermediate step is there. Uh, she's clearly qualified. Um, obviously, the uh, the president's talked about having a diverse cabinet. He's certainly achieved that. No one can question question that. But. I mean, she seems to be uh, the person for the job. So we'll see what happens. It still could happen. Uh, we just have to wait and see. Ben. No, I think this is absolutely representative of what can happen, especially in this country when we have leadership that absolutely seeks diversity and actually stands behind their candidates. And while this may have been a disappointment for a near attendant, I think this is a magnificent opportunity uh, for black women and for black people across the country. So salute. Uh, Teresa. Black women are leading this country. They're leading in higher positions, and it is now time to take our place. Folks, we were talking, always talking about, of course, uh, coronavirus, and I came across this video here that I thought was hilarious. Comedian <laughs> Jeff Wright is a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers. His funny videos have brought him more than 2.5 million followers on TikTok, and his latest skit pokes fun at the different vaccination companies vying for the top spot. Y'all watch this. What's up, Moderna? Hey, Pfizer, what are you doing here? I'm here for the vaccine job. Really? Do you even have a vaccine? Of course I do, and it's 92% effective. That's cute. My vaccine is 94% effective, but who's counting? So you're here for the vaccine job, too? Yep. So you might as well get a head start on traffic and go home. Everyone's gonna choose my vaccine. You awfully confident for someone with such a bad name. What are you talking about? Your name literally sounds like murder. Nobody wants your murder in a vaccine. Come on, man. Moderna doesn't sound like murder. I had three name meetings, and nobody said nothing. Hey, uh, did the job interview start already? Not yet. Who are you guys? See, I told you we weren't going to be late. I'm Johnson. That's my brother, Johnson. We're Johnson and Johnson. Both of your names are Johnson? Yeah. So which Johnson name comes first? Mine does. No, mine does. But I'm older. But I put more money in. Well, it was my idea. No, you said it as a joke, and I said, let's actually do it. Hey, guys, uh, we don't care. Just go by your first names. Johnson? Wait, so your name is Johnson Johnson and Johnson Johnson? Yeah. See, I told you we should have went by the Johnson. No, then we'd be like the Jacksons, and somebody would have to be a Tito. I'm not trying to be a Tito. So you guys have a vaccine, too? Yeah. And it only needs one shot. What's your effective rate? Ain't what was that? What? What was that? 
Did he say Amperstein? I think he said Aiden for president. Who's Aiden? Remember Aiden, that dude from my gym class, the one with the eye thing? Oh yeah, that dude. What was up with his eye? I think he was like dead. When he looked at me, I like felt. I cold. said eighty-one percent. Oh hell no! But 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 we we protect against more than just COVID, and we working on a new way to take the shot. Oh. That's what's up, because I'm tired of taking shots in the butt. Whoa, you do know you can inject it in the arm, right? Well, I knew that. I gotta make a quick phone call. I'll be back. Hey, uh, is this where the interview is happening? I have a vaccine, too. Wait, who are you? AstraZeneca. That's a cool name. I would kill for that name. Yeah, I bet you would. Shut up. Why are you so late? I was working in Europe, and I just got in. So you just got off an international flight and didn't quarantine? Yeah, but that's because the in trying to give me the virus. But he kept asking me to pull my pants down. You Johnsons can leave, too. I already got pre-orders from every country. I guess everyone wants my vaccine. Man, nobody wants your vaccine. You probably put the chip in people. That was one time, and it was a chocolate chip. I was trying to end hunger. Uh, next, Mr. Murder... Murderna? It's Moderna. Never mind. Okay, well, good news, you all are approved. Okay. Then why did he give me my shot in the butt? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. That is good. God love it, Teresa. I was dying the entire time. <coughs> that is so funny, but so real. <laughs> He's so looking at the percentages. That's great. I gotta retweet that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh, that was a good one, Ben. Absolutely, I love it, and and I think it really is going to go a long way for helping people actually actually get comfortable with the idea that we need to take these vaccines. Take whichever one is at uh, your disposal, whichever one is available to you. Go and get the vaccine. Michael, just just great creative. That we we have so much talent uh, in our community. What a, what a great ad. All right, folks, that is it for us. Uh, we want y'all to support what we do here at Roland Martin Unfiltered, which provides an opportunity for us to speak to our issues and concerns. We ain't got to ask nobody for their opinion because we just do it ourselves. Uh, please support what we do by going to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Go back, please. Thank you. Uh, and Zell, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. I don't know what y'all doing in the control room today, but Lord, y'all need to take a nap. Y'all need to take a nap, okay? All right, Anthony, wake up. Uh, and of course, you can see in the money order to New Vision Media Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Folks, that's it. Uh, I will uh, see y'all tomorrow. Uh, Benjamin, Teresa, Michael, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and uh, Benjamin, we thank you for that coat as well. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I know you didn't think uh, I was not going to mention the floral arrangement uh, that you decided to bring with you and wear on the show. Uh, so I, I, I guess I guess you bought it from people from people Bryson uh, or, or the OJ's or something like that. So it was a hand me down from the OJ's. Yes, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that is definitely a stage coat. Yes, that is exactly well, I'm what. I'm not wearing black. Huh? I'm not wearing black. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, well, I guess the spring is coming, so you decided uh, to break out to break out some orange there. So, uh, yeah, we see you. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Take care. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.